a podcast to honor the gods. This better come with a sacrifice. Dave's X Media. This episode contains mild mentions of self-harm as well as religious trauma. Some listeners may prefer not to listen to this episode today or at all. We totally understand that and support you. Life is too short to listen to content that makes you feel uncomfortable. Tune back next week for some different subject matter. And take care of yourself. Love you, bestie. I'm Christina Kahn. And I'm Leela Hilton. And this is Burn Before Reading. The podcast about shitterature. We're here to examine the terrible writing we did when we were younger. And talk about other cringy literary topics. As you may know, I eagerly started this podcast before it occurred to me to invite my beloved Leela into the fold. Oh, I forgive you. This episode was recorded long, long ago. And because of that, it may be in a format you're not familiar with. This is actually the episode that made me realize I wanted to bring Leela on as my co-host. So thanks for giving us room to be flexible while we get this show on the road. And you can look forward to things leveling out soon. This episode is still excellent and really fun. So enjoy the show. Thanks, guys. We'll start with a reading of the work. Okay. The Circus We Don't See. Walking on a tightrope with no net underneath, just a bunch of broken bottles waiting to slice my skin. Painting from the distance, I see you waiting on the other side, finally fully realizing I've been climbing towards you. I see you standing there, still trying to make up your mind, if you want me to finish the cross or fail and fall into the depths. The wire cuts my bare feet, leaving a gruesome trail behind. When I'm nearly close enough to touch, I slip, I fall, I fail, like always. Somehow caught the wire on my way down, so now I hang, looking at you in desperation, blood trickling down my wrists, the pain almost too much to bear, but then again, the bottles would be worse, wouldn't they? So I'll wait, for you to decide, to let me fall or lift me up. Honestly, if you decide the former, the physical cuts and bruises will be nothing, compared to the damage you'd cause, so I stare up at you, let you take your time to reach for me, or turn away theme music. proud of you for finding us. You have made it to burn before reading. I'm Christina Khan in real life and on socials, and I am here to hold your hand and beg you to walk with me down your memory lane as we reflect upon the poetry you wrote when you were much younger. Joining me today is the author herself, Takenna. Say hello to the listeners, Takenna. Hello, listeners. Uh, also joining us today is my dear friend, Leela. Say hello to the listeners, Leela. Hey, listeners. I am so glad to have the both of you here today to talk about the circus we don't see. Takenna, that was a very lovely reading to start us off. Oh, thank you. It's um, had a, like, dive into the the teenage drama, you know. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh, we're going to dive. Before we go any further, Takenna, for the listeners, what are your pronouns? Uh, My pronouns are she and her. 
Thank you so much. Takena is a longtime friend of the pod, friend of us. And you were like, I have some freaking poetry. And I was like, oh, hell yeah. <laughs> and boy, did you send me, uh, some would say a compilation <laughs> of poetry. Before we dive into it, Takena, how the hell have you been? Um, been pretty good. Uh, just dealing with allergies. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, I'm really glad to have you on the show. Truly, I'm so excited. This is exactly this poem is exactly what this show is about. <laughs> <laughs> um, and Leela, how have you been since we last saw you? Um, you know, I'm all right. I'm always happy when I'm with my friends. And that's all <laughs> that's a, I'll say about that. <laughs> yeah, that's a really great way to answer when I have no idea when this episode is coming out. <laughs> True. So Takena, Leela and I are here to roast you. You're here to defend yourself. Can you tell us a little bit about your writing history? Like you wrote this poem. What, where does this lie in the history of you as a writer? So this was in my senior year of high school that I wrote this. Wait. Yes, yeah, my senior year of high school that I wrote this. And um, I started writing poetry uh, when I was 11, after 9-11. And it was all very cringy and patriotic. Yeah. (laughs) And then um, developed into cringy and emo as I moved into high school. And most of the stuff from when I was in my senior year is preserved because I posted it all on Facebook. That's amazing. And I would argue that cringy and emo is way preferable to cringy and patriotic <laughs> agreed <laughs> although i've been i've been both of those things yeah <laughs> same i've uh, i've been known to dab dibble dabble in both categories as well but there do you don't you remember guys that time in america when like everybody well also we were dumb and so young we didn't know but like yeah. we everybody was like the flag <laughs> and like we're all here we're all in this together like high school right. musical style like this, I feel the like word you're looking for is indoctrination. Yeah, there it is. <laughs> we were also indoctrinated. It's true. Yeah. Uh, no. So I said, like, I wrote poetry and um, really liked the writing. Glad I moved on from the topic, though. Yes. Yeah. So you wrote poetry at least kind of a lot because this document that you shared with me is so long. Cool's word count. Uh, it's 56 pages of raw, unadulterated poetry. Wow. <laughs> yeah. That's so much saved. I'm really impressed. Yeah. Good on you, because I was not saving my shit back then. So I just, when I was, um, ask, when I'd asked Tina if, like, she wrote cringy poetry because of something, another thing that came up in Discord, um, and she said yes, I was like, oh, and she mentioned the pod. I was like, oh, you have to see my Facebook notes. And I went to find them and discovered that Facebook got rid of the feature like a year ago. Notes. And I was like, yeah, the notes like oh, function, shit. you know, I wrote a lot of notes. That's so crazy. I did find there is a way you can access them, but it's like weird okay. and you have to go into your archive. Okay. And so I was like, so you saved your shit for I'm going to go and save all of my <laughs> crappy poetry because while it's really cringy, it's also really nostalgic. And I like, yes, like this, you have to save it. It's, I really love that you picked out this one because while it is so interesting at the same time, it is one of my favorites that I wrote just because I was, I was so proud of it when I wrote it. And like, it really helped me. <laughs> be uh, that cringe cringe person without um actually doing anything like cutting when I, now <laughs> when i realize 
read this, I'm like, I feel like I need to specify that I, I was not actually a cutter, because this poem makes it sound like I definitely was. It does. It's heavily implied. Well, yeah. I, too, have a lot of poetry from my childhood that includes cutting imagery. I think it was just part of the culture back then. I'm working on a bit of a hypothesis. I'm not here to say that anyone's trauma that like leads them to self-mutilation is like ne- like too like negligible. I'm not saying that, but I am saying that uh 2008 <laughs> was a cultural moment and we were both there for it and people were cutting themselves in a fad-like way. Oh yeah. So. It was it was concerning. <laughs> Let's just say that I've recorded a litany of trigger warnings for this podcast, and mm. I just pick and plug whichever one's the most appropriate. So, <laughs> um, so when, what year did you write this? So I wrote this at the beginning of 2008. So I was uh, 17. Okay. Senior and, in high school. Yeah. Senior in high school. And What um, kind of a person were you then? So it's really funny because I, um, as you guys know, I grew up Mormon. Mm -hmm. Um, but now listeners know. So I grew up Mormon and very conservative household. Um, and I was like, just general nice person. Like everyone kind of liked me. Like I was nice to everyone. I was very kind. But at the same time, I was extremely emo. And, um, I'm trying to remember, I don't think I had my fire engine red hair at the time of this. Um, but I know I had... (laughs) Already dyed it again since I went briefly back to brown because I then I did blue and so I had colored hair and I let I love my, people who are like hmm I can tell what phase of my life this was based on my hair color at the time yeah mine is uh, mine has only changed color very infrequently very recently and it's almost always a shade of blonde so I can't relate <laughs> yeah it's very Ramona Flowers of you to Kenna <gasps> oh, yeah yeah <laughs> um. But so like this poem was written about this uh, guy that I'd known since I was really little and like was in a way a little bit obsessed with and was like, oh, yeah. (laughs) And it was all. (laughs) Oh, were you? Yeah, seriously. Uh, But like, oh, it was such is such drama. If you want to know that story, I can tell it. But um, hey. If you want to tell the story, tell it. Because okay. that's what this show is about, and I'm bleeping last names, so, so just go ahead. So this is the story of my second kiss, which I'm so happy was not the story of my first kiss, because I don't have to tell it as often. But, um... <laughs> so I've known this guy since I... Literally since I was, like, three years old. And, like, was super into him. But um, I remember, like, I think he thought of me as being, like, a little kid and didn't really want to be with me. And one time he had implied that he had had sex. And, like, if we had been together, he would have expected that. And I, like a dumbass, told someone who then was, like, really disturbed by this fact and went and confronted him with it. Wait, was he also Mormon? Yes. Oh, okay. We're going to get into some Mormon sex drama. Okay. (laughs) And, like, and so, like, then he was really pissed that, and, like, I still don't know to this day if what he was implying was true or is just trying to get me to, like, like, realize that we wouldn't be good together or what. But um, he was really pissed. And I remember I was so desperate to, like, make it up. And I felt so bad because I knew, like, even if what he'd said was true or whatever, I shouldn't have said anything to anyone else. Um, Mm -hmm. But, and so he told me that uh, to make up to him, I could kiss him. 
Oh my god. And so, like, we went to early morning Bible class every day before school. And it was just at a house that was, like, a couple blocks down from his house. And so, like, and I would go and walk with him and his sister, who's also, like, my good friend, to uh, wait for the bus. And she, this day, had to go get something from their house. And so, like, we'd made this deal, and I was like, okay, yeah, I'll kiss you, person I'm obsessed with, but it never was happening. And so this day, my friend had to go to her house to get something, and I'm standing next to him in the foyer, and he kisses me, and it was, like, amazing kiss. Like, I was blown away. But I was also really freaked out that his sister was going to walk down the stairs and see us kissing. Mm-hmm. And, um it just started this really terrible pattern of that we would like randomly make out at kind of inappropriate times. Wait, but that's fun. Yeah. But like his sister's 16th birthday party, like when he was supposed <laughs> to be driving me home high from school? New Year's Eve. The high school desperation so to make boring. out is so one. I wish I was still that desperate to make out. Right. Yes. Cause I'm married now and I'm like, <laughs> I might never make out again. Remember how fun it was. Do you remember when making out was the only thing? It's yes. like, I'm, I'm not having sex. I'm 14. Yeah, I'm not ready for that. Dry humping on the couch is the absolute farthest this is going to go. <laughs> you would make out so long that the next day your lips would be sore. Yeah. Your your like upper lip would be so <laughs> raw from his stubble, his 15-year-old like mustache stubble. Yeah. Oh, I miss it. But, um, so, like, this poem came of all of that drama and just feeling, like, pulled back and forth and being like, okay, you say you don't want to, like, date, but then you keep making out with me. What's going on? Wow. Okay. So there is actually quite a bit to unpack here, and I'm excited (laughs) to do it. Okay. So that's some great backstory. Are you, like, still a writer? Do you still write poetry at all? Oh, God, I wish. Like, sometimes I think about it, and I do, and I want to. I'm just always so tired. And I got to this really weird point in my life where I started being very content. And, like, that killed a lot of the drive, the, like, ideas I had for writing. I can understand that. It was so weird because it wasn't, like, being, like, ecstatically happy, like, can think of things to write, and being, like, super depressed can think of things to write. But when my life just became very content, it was like, mm-hmm. oh, I don't really have anything Steady. I'm trying to express. Yes. Should I marry Coco Wum steady as the beating drum? Yes. <laughs> the answer is yes. <laughs> um, that's really interesting to kind of, because I totally agree with you. I, like, even more so, like, I have a shit ton of poetry about my relationships that did not go well. Mm-hmm. I have next to no poetry about my relationships that that were good and healthy. Yeah. Like, I, I would write each man, because I've only dated men, one poem. Like, Sean has a poem that mm-hmm. I wrote him. I'll never write him another one, because we're just in a good relationship. <laughs> Maybe I'll go full Joan... Uh, no, Sharon, what's her name? Sharon Stone. No, not Sharon Stone. Hold on. Wait, what the fuck is her name? I always forget this. <laughs> what are you thinking? Sharon. Maybe I'll go full Sharon Olds on him when we divorce and like write a whole whole poetry anthology about the divorce. But um, yeah, definitely it's hard to feel the drive to write poetry when your life is just good and fine and secure. Um, that's yeah. why we're reflecting back upon the olden poetry. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to read that nice poem I wrote about Sean, uh, that'll be on the bonus show someday. <laughs> Ew. 
There is so much here. Okay, so uh, the first thing that I noted in your backstory is what I would call the uniquely Christian dichotomy. Yes. Of are we together or are we not? There is no room in the middle where you're just making out. <laughs> yeah, no. There there really wasn't. And like that definitely affected all of my relationships. I was like as soon as I realized I didn't want to like marry and be with that person for literal eternity, like all attraction to them was gone. I was like, oh, I'm done with this now. That's so funny and interesting. Like you were 17. I thought I was going to marry every man I ever dated, but like, I don't think I actually thought about what that meant until I was 25 years old. <laughs> Oh, um, like, it's really sad, because I had no idea what that meant, and I see that now. But, like, okay, I was, like, but just because of how I was raised, it was, like, you know, you, you marry a person. Like, you get together, and you get yeah. married, and you should do that really young, so you're together for forever. You're My mom would always make person. me recite. She would be, like, what order, What what's the life plan? And I would be, like, high school, college, career husband babies and she'd be like yes that's the plan good job girl okay i mean not it's not terrible good it's on not you bad. Susan. i at least got to go to college before i got a husband and a career <laughs> career before husband career before, well that she what she didn't say is you start with a career because you have to as soon as those babies start popping out that career is out the window right of course that's what good old mom did she's like are you telling me I get to stay home all day? <laughs> I mean, fair enough. <laughs> I'm sure Dakenna can speak to that better than we can. Lila. Yeah, it's really hard because like my um, one kid does really idolize me and like wants to be like me. And at the same time, I'm like, no, don't do this. This is what makes financial sense for us. But like, yeah. it never occurred to me that I could be not a mom until I was already becoming one. Wow. So. Yay, pressed up ringing. Oh my god, Takeda. <laughs> Not a yay dance. That's really interesting. Yeah, I guess I guess you would want your kids like even if they do aspire to parenthood, you would want them to have a top tier aspiration that is not parenthood first. Like yeah. something they can do independently of a spouse or a partner. It's so hard to be like, "No, don't be like me." But <laughs> the don't same be time, anything like, like me. <laughs> like well, also trying to be like, well, you can be so much more than just that. Like, you can do so many things. Yeah. And that's that's like a tough little dance because you don't want to invalidate yourself and right. all the hard work that you do. But it is like, yeah, interesting. Anyway, let's talk about the circus we don't see. <laughs> yeah, Tina, I think maybe we're n you and I aren't quite ready to have kids um, ever. No. <laughs> Yeah, that's going to be a no for me, dog. Um, but but I'm really lucky that my mom gave me the opportunity to explore my career there before you go. thinking about parenthood. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll just get around to it at some point. <laughs> sure. You got plenty of time. So much. <laughs> so the circus we don't see. I chose this. Um, I knew Leela was coming on this episode to serve as my backup host. And when I was scrolling through all your poems to Kenna, I was like, oh, this shit is dramatic. Leela's going to love this. <laughs> I do. I just I do agree um, uh, to Kenna. I also dabbled. Um, I wasn't Mormon. I did date a Mormon. I was in 
a couple different bands with all Mormons. A lot of Mormons in oh my, my life. Um, I too, hmm. I too dated a Mormon. Would like to hop on hey. the Mormon train. Hey, and look, to Kenneth dated a Mormon as well. Look, all three of us all dated Mormons. Dated <laughs> Just Uh-oh. real quick because my my story is incredibly brief. Yep, but I did. <laughs> there was two phases of me realizing I couldn't be with him, and it was on <laughs> our first date. <laughs> Phase one, I got in the car, and he said, "Do you mind if I play the Mormon Tabernacle Choir?" And I said, <laughs> "No, that sounds great." And then he put it on, and I was oh, like, "Oh, this isn't great." <laughs> Phase two was on the drive home after we went to California Pizza Kitchen. Classy. We were driving down the street. We passed two women We passed two women who were just walking. He said, Jesus, forgive me. I said, what? He said, I just had some really rude thoughts about those women. Why like, would he tell you? I was like, well, I'm going to get out now. Oh. I kissed him first because I'm a hoe. Because <laughs> you're a classy hoe. He paid for CPK. Yeah. What was I supposed to do? <laughs> Okay, Layla, please carry on about your. Wait, what were you saying? I don't know. Uh, I was, yeah, I was. I wasn't really going to talk about that. I was just going to talk about um, that. I was raised very, very, very Christian, um, like evangelical, um, like Southern Baptist slash non-denom, which is just super evangelical. Yeah. Um, and um, I was in um a couple different Christian bands. Um, uh, like pop rock, punk. Uh, we at first it was pop rock, and then you know, as like years like two thousand eight approached, my sound changed dramatically. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, there's something about Christianity and the pure isolation and repression, especially as a young girl, of religions like Christianity. That just makes you makes everything feel so much bigger. Like everything is more heightened. Also, we were teenagers, so everything's more I heightened. I think it's. I think part of it is that society tries to make, and you know, Christianity is part of society tries to make teenage girls small. Right. It's like you are you're stupid. You're small. Your world is small. Yeah. Like stay down. Yeah. I mean, I can't even tell you how many how many at, at like my cool um, youth group nights on Sundays like how many of the the sermon topics or whatever were all based on not having sex, you know, like <laughs> cool purity. That's what it's called. <laughs> you know what Jesus thinks is cool? Abstinence. Being homeless. No, no, we don't talk about that. Um, just come into our giant, huge, extravagant churches. Um, it's fine. I'm not, I'm not bitter. Um, yeah, but I, I just say I, I, <laughs> I, I see why you picked me just because I think that I wrote – some similar types of pieces. I think that I am and probably was so much more bubblegum pop um, and not co- not as cool Evanescence, maybe, as you were. <laughs> um, and so I don't know if I would have... Uh, I don't know about the the cutting. My church was very anti-cutting and I was very scared. Yeah, everyone's anti-cutting. That's kind of the point, Layla. No, but they were anti-cutting <laughs> at the same time that they were anti-Wicca. Do you remember the Wicca like, craze? Did that... Sweep around to your uh, to your temple, to Kenna, like, like we didn't we didn't have like I don't know because you know there was some people that when there was like Harry Potter coming out and stuff that were like really anti Harry Potter, which was really oh, hilarious. Yeah. Like 
<laughs> knowing anything about Wicca, that they're yeah. like, it's witchcraft, it's evil. And other people, like, the my Wiccans family... are like, this is a horrific characterization of my religion. <laughs> yeah, this, don't, this ain't right. <laughs> my yeah. family was always very, like, my kids are smart enough to tell the difference between fantasy and reality. So oh, that was never, like, a huge thing for us. But I knew some people that, like... Their parents were just so crazy strict and, yeah, like, you know, closely monitored any media they had to make sure they weren't exposed to anything inappropriate. And mm-hmm. It was just ridiculous. So yeah. ridiculous. But, yeah, I, I can relate to just, like, the huge, um, the drastic ups and downs of your poem and kind of, like, uh, <laughs> it's like uh, there's a lot of dichotomies in there. I think this is literally the most gruesome thing I ever wrote. Like, it is a little gruesome. Like, so, and I really wanted all of that bloody imagery in there. Like, yeah, I was I was real proud of it. <laughs> was like, walking so on a tightrope with no net underneath, just a bunch of broken bottles waiting to slice my skin. What are these bottles? How did you get here? <laughs> <laughs> Um, and then we see uh, waiting for her to fall, um, wire cuts into my bare feet, leaving a gruesome trail behind. Um, uh, I slip, I fall, I fail like always, somehow caught the wire on the way down, so now I hang, dot, 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 blood trickling down my wrists, the pain almost too much to bear. This is, it. it is it's so bad. Yeah, like if we've all written this poem before, like you're among good company to Kenna. It's definitely the type of poem that like if your parent or any adult saw it, they would be extremely, extremely worried about you. And I I have, yeah. What's weird is like, I'm pretty sure I was Facebook friends with like my mom and my mom. That's what I was about to ask is like, how the hell did you just be posting this on Facebook? No, oh, my mom yeah. was, like, super obsessed with, like, reading my stuff and, like, commenting on all my pictures. Like, not as much now as when I went off to college, but, like, she was definitely very, like, oh, this is how I can know what my kid is like, is I'm going to read what they put on Facebook. The circus you don't see, Mom. <laughs> and, like, it was also real fun because when I asked her later, I was like, how do you deal with depression? And she was like, you should pray and read the Book of Mormon. I was mm-hmm. like, fuck that. Um, <laughs> have you tried writing more poetry? <laughs> this is much more helpful than the praying and reading the Book of Mormon. So, I mean, being able to get your words onto paper and looking back at them, not at 30 plus, but looking back at them uh, after you write them down in 2008 and being like, that's pretty good. That's like a really validating practice. It was it was so relieving for me and like it was so funny because you know like everyone would do like the vague booking back then you'd be like you'd post <laughs> yeah. your status yep. and be like is dying inside and like <laughs> <laughs> dot 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 <laughs> oh my god right. I have so many memories on Facebook like that they'll pop up it'll be like in 2007 Christina is really fucking pissed and isn't gonna call you back and I'm like who was this for I'm always what? like what a bitch I don't even know what I was talking about no idea at all. And so, like, I think that's why the poetry to me is so crazy, because, like, I know exactly what this was about and what was happening, because there's so much more to it. But at the same time, like, I really wonder how everyone who was friends with me that saw this wasn't just like, 
Um, so you good? Uh, Are you gonna, you like, kill now? yourself? Like, did, what's going on here? Did you, any of you, did you get that kind of reaction from anybody when you shared this? No. And I think it's because people knew me and, like, had this assumption <laughs> that I was not depressed. Which um, is, we know now in the year of our Lord 2024, probably when this episode is coming out, we know that she doesn't look depressed. <laughs> it's not really <laughs> She doesn't sound depressed. <laughs> Well, people also didn't know I was sarcastic, and so, like, I don't trust other people's opinions. Um, I can imagine. But, yeah, no, I only, I had one friend, and this friend did know me, and, like, knew that I was, like, just expressing the inner turmoil, so I didn't, like, like, that was my way of not hurting myself. And, like, so he would, like, critique it from a poetry standpoint. Okay. Which is another reason I'm so surprised that so many typos made its way into all the misspellings. <laughs> well, you know. I'm like, how? Copy editing and poetry, like, uh, critique is t- two different things. Well, because, you know, I told you that I, like, transferred this all over to a document, and it was just, like, full of red squiggles. And I'm like, this this, this obviously did not exist when I posted this. Yeah. <laughs> so, definitely... This poem is giving, if you don't love me, I'll fucking die. <laughs> yeah. Like, Which is so funny to look back on hi- anything that anyone was interested in in high school, and except for our friend Ashley, who married her high school sweetheart. She's exceptional. <laughs> but it's very funny to look back and be like, I thought I was going to die for that guy. And he's yeah. a fucking chump bitch now. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, totally. Like, I'm so happy I did not marry that person and, like, basically all the boyfriends I had when I was Mormon, I'm like, I'm so happy I did not end up with that person and in a relationship where I'm like a second tier person. But, um, yeah, no, I obviously literally felt like I was dying and that everything in my life was going to be in ruins if he did not decide to date me. Well, and I I think you just uh, hit a pretty crucial point to Kenna that the person, the, the community that you were part of, the Mormon community that you were part of at this time really did kind of cast women as like second class citizens. So it it does put you in this position where it's like, I am at your liberty and like, all I can do is react to like you and your choices. And I, I really actually feel that quite a bit in this poem where it's like, I'm completely at your mercy. I am hanging here by these wires <laughs> until you come rescue me. And I, I just think that's so sad, you know, that, 17-year-old Takena wasn't able to seek her own value. I feel like there's also a lot of it, though, that was, like, you remember being, like, like high off of that serotonin you would get from all the drama. Yeah. That it was just, like, all the, like, heart-racing anxiety, like, oh, what is he going to do? Oh, what did I do wrong this time? Like, how can I, how can I make it better? And it was all just, like so addicting and like you don't see that until you're so much past it that it's like oh all this drama was so addictive as a teenager to be around that's really interesting because I think you're completely right like I think the drama itself is addictive in a certain way and I'm speaking just for myself now when I was in high school like I was the maker of drama I like I was Christina Khan first of her name bringer of drama and breaker of friendships like I (laughs) like thrived on it. Like I was making out with friends, boyfriends, like I was like spreading rumors and like there had to be some reason (laughs) 
there had to be some fucking reason for doing that. And I think it is just like the rush of the drama, like watching reality TV, but it's like, it's me. (laughs) Well, it like also feeds that like inherent narcissism that most teenagers have, like, you know, making yourself the center of the drama. Yeah, main character energy. Yeah, I mean, it's. I think obviously also all kind of boils down to like maybe a little less narcissism and a lot more insecurity. Like, yeah, you you don't know who you are. And like, we want so bad to just like have this identity. Like, this is my brand. This is who I am. I'm black girl. And so you do what you have to do to kind of get there, become that person. So. Yeah, so true. Like, I definitely was trying to be emo girl except like without spending any money which is really hard to do so hard (laughs) those studded belts cost a lot of money yeah thirty dollars for a belt come on (laughs) i like that this poem doesn't rhyme i think like a lot of the more emotional poetry that i've seen so far on this show has not rhymed it's like i you can't contain me in verse right now (laughs) i'm so emotional Oh, no, I was so pretentious and about free verse and, like, like honestly really pretentious about it. Like, I thought that made my poetry so much better that I was like, no, it's the rhythm. It's not – it doesn't need a rhyme scheme. Well, here's the, here's the thing is I think it does make childhood poetry better to go free verse instead of trying to fit into verse into a rhyme scheme. And the main reason I think that is because you don't have – in high school enough synonyms in your brain to make rhyme happen organically. Like the things that people will do to make a rhyme work that just ruin the entire line is incredible. And I really think that that is, that is what separates the poetry weenies like us from like (laughs) my dear friend, Ale, who's pursuing an MFA in poetry. Like, I think that she figured out how to make it rhyme and sound good. And that's why she is seeking a master's degree. Yeah. So it is giving Evanescence. You said that a long time ago, Leela. It's giving Evanescence. Were you by any chance an Evanescence fan back in 2008? Oh, yeah. Oh, Oh, my God. Yeah. No, I can. I still have to belt. Wake me up. She wakes up really hard <laughs> next to her husband in bed, and she's like, wake me up! <laughs> it's so funny, because, like, both me and my husband, like, I realized really like pop punk, which has, like, this cross-section of emo in it, too. Yeah. And so it's really funny whenever you get to that one random song that's, like, super screamy, and I'm just like, oh, I still love this song, even though it's really not that good. <laughs> I'll never be able to find the feeling inside of me that I had when I heard this song for the first time. (laughs) That version of me is gone. Leela, do you have any notes about the poem itself, its execution? I I mean, I really think it's like, it's fairly well written. Like, I... I, I, I'd agree. I, the imagery is very vivid. (laughs) Um, Some might say too vivid. (laughs) Um, oh, one thing that I f- forgot to mention earlier is I, I saw something in this poem that I too, I too did this back in 2008. <laughs> um, you have two uh, phrases in brackets. Yeah. Not 
not in parentheses no. and brackets. Yeah. So we have I slip, I fall, I fail like always with I fail in brackets. Yeah. And then at the very end, we have um, blah, blah, blah. Let you take your time to reach for me or turn away with or turn away in brackets. And it reminds me of Charlie in the Discord when they'll say something, but then they'll strike through it. And it's like, <laughs> I can read what you said, Charlie. <laughs> You're not whispering. <laughs> oh, my God. If I wrote this today, those would totally be strike throughs. <laughs> well, I've read it as like a like a ba- what's where the backup singers come in. <laughs> <laughs> I fail. I fail. <laughs> to remind you <laughs> of the mess you. Isn't that? That's what that sounded like. <laughs> or turn away the other bracket. Oh my god! Yeah, that's you really guys funny. It, it actually that works song. perfectly. It's a Lamis. <laughs> um, no. Any yeah. last notes about about the poem to Kenna or Leela about the the text itself? Um, no, I, um, I like that the, the, the title is in, is, um, in lowercase. Well, except for the, the first V, but I think maybe that was, we call that, we call that sentence case. Okay. Yeah. That, the beginning that of the also first, might the first letters. Be a formatting thing yeah. that yeah, it the does computer automatic. does it. But well, I remember when we were like lowercases, that's where it's at. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah so. A lot of the poetry in this. Uh, compilation is very lowercase. Yeah. It was like, what are we getting so excited about with these capital letters? <laughs> and it's like, but you, look what you're writing about. Why are you pretending you're not excited? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, before we wrap up our episode, let's play a little game that I love called Horny, Sad, or Just Plain Bad. Leela, I would like to ask you, do you think that the circus we don't see by Takena is horny, sad, or just plain bad? I'm going to give this one a sad and say it's sad. It's a little sad. It makes me sad thinking about little Takena and uh, it makes me want to hug you. And I think it's it's funny in a nostalgic way, but uh, I would say it's the opposite of horny. There's not even a kiss or anything at all mentioned in here, which I did notice. Yeah. Nothing. This is like, um, this is the worst case scenario of horny. It's like, I was going to say, because I know the like, backstory, I'm like, it's kind of horny. It's a little horny, but it's like, this is where horny goes when it's not reciprocated. Yeah. Like, I, what do I do with all these feelings? <laughs> Takena, what do you think? Horny, sad, or just plain bad? I was going to say, I'm definitely giving it a horny because, like, wow. now I know I just needed to get a different boyfriend. <laughs> <laughs> or, you know, learn that, like, you know, you could just. I could just make out with him and really oh. enjoy the really good make out sessions and then, like, disconnect. Make me terrible. out. Make me out. You can't sad. make out. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm going to split the difference with a horny sad combo. <laughs> It's the sad part of being horny or the horny part of being sad. Horny and sad at the same time. <laughs> oh, my God. So, Kenneth, thank you so much for bringing the circus we don't see onto this very podcast, which is called Burn Before Reading. I almost <laughs> said the wrong podcast name. <laughs> I know where I am. Oh, yeah, of course. I was sorry. I was laughing. <laughs> Um, no, thank you for having me on. It was really fun to uh, unearth my 
old poetry and be like, wow, I had a lot of feelings. (laughs) I just figured that everyone is sitting on poetry like this. And like, what are you (laughs) going to do with it? You know, bring it on my show. I'll show you what to do with it. I mean, it always uh, I think that it's just like what it shows is growth, right? Like Mm -hmm. you can see and maybe it's a little painful or sad or 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 weirdly or horny, just plain bad, or just plain bad. <laughs> but um, you can look at it and think, like, I remember being this girl, and that's I can safely say that's not who I am anymore. Yeah, <laughs> and that's a that's a good thing. It it's a, a good thing, thing. But but this bitch is still inside us. That's true. I mean, yeah, she's kind of specifically like she's a part of it. <laughs> I look back on 2008, Christina, and I'm like, you poor, sad, sweet, brilliant, beautiful butterfly. Just you wait. (laughs) Yeah, for me, it's definitely like, oh, you overdramatic thing. Like, yeah, find another outlet for the drama. It's kind of like that book we're reading right now, which I won't say the name of because it'll date this episode really badly. But (laughs) that book we're reading for book club, it's kind of like reading one of these poems. (laughs) I know, but I I, I, I don't like, know if I can finish it. Nobody understands me. Nobody likes me. And it's like, <laughs> it's because you're being so loud about how unlikable you are. <laughs> it is. Oh. <laughs> oh, Leela, thank you so much for coming on the show and helping me and to kind of explore the circus we don't see. No problem. <laughs> I'm really, really excited for you for this project. And, uh, Thanks for bringing me on. I've got, I, I can definitely relate, girl. <laughs> <laughs> um, Takena, did you want to plug any of your socials or nah? I will plug myself exclusively on the Deus Ex Media Discord. Hey. So that is, that is the only place you will find me online. Yeah, for as little as a dollar a month, <laughs> you too can hang out with Takena on the Discord. We don't have a Patreon yet, or maybe we do. Who knows? It's the future. <laughs> But if, if you sign up for the dollar a month uh, pay, Patreon tier of any of our network shows, you can have access to the Discord. So I highly recommend it because you can chit-chat with Takena. I'm especially on the book club, um, which is amazing, and more people should be involved. Hell yeah. Yeah, I totally agree. I freaking love that book club. <laughs> anyway, the other day I walked into a bookstore and I asked, can I please have a book by Shakespeare? The guy behind the counter said, of course, ma'am, which one? And I said... William. <laughs> Boo. <laughs> Off the stage. This podcast was created by me, Christina Kahn. Hosted and produced by Christina Kahn and me, Leela Hilton. Follow me online at Christina Kahn and pre-order my book, Indie Book Publishing from Start to Finish, coming from Wildling Press in January 2024. After you bought Tina's book, follow me online at Leels for Reels. Our theme music was produced by Sakura Wishes. And our logo was designed by Michael Hardison. Follow Michael on Instagram at RoyGDiv or check out his work at wildlingpress.com. Thanks for listening, friends. See you next time. Dave X Media.